two, the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is August 22nd, Tuesday. Mariners won game one of the three games set against the Chicago White Sox 14-2 last night. Really destroyed the White Sox, a listless, hopeless um, team that's really given up. I would be surprised to see the Mariners drop any of these three games. On today's Mariners cast, we will recap yesterday's game, talk about the phenomenal thing Luis Castillo did, uh, touch on Cal, the the pretty amazing season that Cal Raleigh is having, uh, Tail Hernandez. I will talk a little bit about the Chicago White Sox and um, I guess remind you Mariners fans what it's like to uh, have a hometown team that sucks. Uh, The White Sox are, I feel bad for White Sox fans. Um, I have a couple of them in my life. I lived in Chicago. I went to school at the University of Michigan. So I had a lot of uh, Southsiders that I became friends with, um, fraternity brothers. And I feel bad for him. Uh, So we'll talk about that for a little bit. And then uh, we will go over the most recent Mariners transactions and the pitching matchup for tonight, which is Brian Wu against Mike Clevenger. Mariners are 70 and 55, 15 games over 500. They are two games out of the American League West lead, a game and a half behind the Astros, two games behind the Rangers. They are currently the third wildcard team and one game up on the Toronto Blue Jays. Mariners' run differential is up to plus 84, and they are on a seven-game winning streak. So last night, the Mariners won 14-2. They took a 5-1 lead after the first inning, tacked on two in the fifth, two in the sixth, four in the eighth, and one in the ninth. Uh, The stars of this game were Cal Raleigh, who hit Two home runs, just missed a third at six RBIs. Tail Hernandez, who went two for five with the homer and three RBIs. And for me, maybe the biggest star was Luis Castillo. He is now 10 and seven with the 315 ERA. He went seven innings, five hits, one earned run, no walks, nine strikeouts. But the most amazing part of Luis Castillo's start was not the statistics that I just read. We've seen that from Luis Castillo in the past. We will probably see that from Castillo in the future. I will touch on a little bit later what it is that he did. That was so amazing. So the Mariners gave Julio Rodriguez a day off. They said he had a little bit of cramping towards the end of the previous game. Uh, Everyone panicked a bit when he wasn't in the lineup. Very clearly the Mariners didn't miss him scoring 14 runs. It was nice seeing J.P. Crawford back up at the top of the lineup. I do wonder what the Mariners will do when Julio is back today. I would assume Julio moves back into the two spot and the lineup is extended below uh, with J.P. Crawford staying in the leadoff spot, but we will see. Uh, J.P. Led, uh, led off the game with a walk, fitting. I uh, ended up with two walks in uh, six plate appearances, scored two runs, but again, the offensive star was Cal Raleigh, uh, three for five, three runs, six RBIs, two home runs. Uh, he had 108 
mile an hour double off of Tuki Toussaint in the first inning. This would have been a home run in three of the 30 parks. Went for a double. Popped out in the second. 112 mile an hour home run in the fifth. 104 mile an hour home run off of Brent Honeywell in the eighth. Cal Raleigh, amongst major league catchers, leads in home runs, is third in runs scored, is tied for third in RBIs, and tied for second in Fangraphs war. Mariners are sitting on an elite catcher in Cal Raleigh. Some of his stats aren't as impressive, 225, 301 on base percentage with the 467 slug. But you're talking about a premier offensive catcher who is also slightly above average defensively. He's been great. He carried this offense. Uh, Dominic Canzone hit a homer. is a solo home run. Uh, he hit this in the eighth. He went one for five. I also want to bring up Canzone real quick because in the first inning, he cost Luis Castillo a run with poor judgment on a screaming liner from Eloy Jimenez that went directly over his head. Canzone is not an outfielder. If the Mariners plan on putting him in the outfield, um, they're going to have to be okay with giving up some runs. He is a poor defensive outfielder. For me, his defense on the 2080 scale is a 40, maybe a 45. It's below average. He's a first baseman. He's a DH. I don't know if he is a strong side platoon batter or if he's going to be able to hit lefties. I love the damage that he does against right-handers. I think he is an asset but he is not a corner outfielder. He's just not. We've seen him struggle to make some plays, made some plays look spectacular because he isn't very fast and he isn't very instinctual out there. Um, but this ball hit by Eloy would have been caught, I believe, by really any other Mariners outfielder. I do not like him out there. I still love his bat. Um, get him out of the corner outfield, please. Scott Service. Uh Tail Hernandez bears mentioning he went two for five, scored a run, hit a homer, had three RBIs. Tail in August is hitting 352 with a 976 OPS. In 76 plate appearances in August, he has eight doubles, three homers. He scored eight runs, 10 RBIs, and has a 170 WRC plus. He's on fire. I know people want to be critical of him. There are a lot of people that didn't you know, kind of were disappointed in his performance this season. And his performance over the course of the entire season is not great. 735 OPS, 19 home runs, uh, 69 RBIs. Not quite what the Mariners expected or what maybe fans expected. But he's killing it in August. And versus lefties, he's hitting 305 with an 883 OPS and a 138 WRC+. So... I personally, I would love to see the Mariners re-sign Taylor Hernandez. I don't know if it fits the budget. I don't know if that's what they're planning on doing. When you pair him with Cade Marlowe in the outfield, Jared Kelnick in the outfield, uh, Julio, Julio Rodriguez in the outfield, and maybe one other, right? Whether that's Demo or Jonathan Classe or someone of that ilk, that is a badass outfield to me. Um I like Taylor Hernandez a lot. I've said that before. I'll say it again. And he's having a phenomenal August uh, carrying the team along with Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez, and to a certain extent, Ty France. But I was uh, not surprised by seeing those stats. I just think they're worth mentioning. Luis Castillo. So what was it that he did that was crazy? 
his stuff looked pretty normal. His velocity was right in line with what he's done over the course of the year. His spin was slightly down, but not down to a place where you would worry. Um, you wonder if he eased up a little bit, given the Mariners' lead. Uh, Mariners were up 5-1 in the fourth. Mariners led 9-1 after six. 27% whiff rate, slightly below his, his yearly average, 10 whiffs on 37 fastballs. What he did was from, so pitch 48 out of 95. So he threw 95 pitches total. Pitch number 48 to Luis Robert was a slider. Robert was leading off the fourth inning at the time the Mariners were up 5-1. So pitch 48 is a slider to Robert. Every pitch through pitch 95, okay? You're talking about 47 pitches. So through pitch 95, which was his last pitch to Oscar Colas to end the seventh inning, was either a fastball or a sinker. What does that mean? Every pitch that he threw between pitch 49 and pitch 95 was between 94 and 99 miles an hour. He just went hard stuff. Screw the slider. Screw the changeup. You guys have clearly given up. I'm up 5-1. I'm not, I'm not messing around. I'm going to throw pitches that are easier on my arm. I'm going to throw gas. I don't believe you can hit it. I don't believe you want to hit it. It's what old school pitching coaches used to say when, um, when a team was in the lead. Old school pitching coaches would say, you know what? Just throw strikes. Throw fastballs. Throw strikes. Just don't walk anybody. We don't want the team coming back. If they happen to hit a home run, fine. If they happen to get base hits, that's fine. Just throw strikes, right? Throw fastballs, throw strikes. It's an old school adage. Luis Castillo literally threw 47 straight mid-90s pitches. I think it's cool. I think it's slightly funny. I think it's a testament to the kind of um, power stuff Luis Castillo has. I think it says a hell of a lot about the Chicago White Sox and their state of mind at this particular point in time. But it was crazy that he threw 47 straight four-seamers or two-seamers or sinker, whatever you want to term the sinker, to the White Sox starting in the fourth inning. It was nuts. And he ends up with seven innings, five hits, one run, no walks, nine strikeouts. Moves to 10-7, and 3-1-5 ERA. But again, nuts. 47 straight pitches, essentially 47 straight fastballs, if you want to call it that. Um, Edward Bizzardo came in, pitched a scoreless eighth, two hits, one walk, two strikeouts. I really do like his stuff a lot. I think the Mariners have something there. And Darren McCoggin came in and through the ninth, uh, gave up a run. It was unearned, struck out three uh, on one hit. So again, the Mariners win 14 to two. You got Cal Raleigh hitting two homers, Ty France two for five, Eugenio Suarez two for three, Teo Hernandez two for five with the homer, Josh Rojas, I should mention, went three for five. Offense just went off with no Julio Rodriguez. So fun game for Mariners fans, easy game for Mariners fans, no stress at all. You kind of knew coming in a listless Chicago White Sox team against, you know, with Tuki Toussaint on the mound who – can't hit the broad side of a barn versus Luis Castillo, a top 10 starter in baseball. Which brings me to 
the Chicago White Sox. Um, on the broadcast, you know, in the first inning, uh, I don't remember who the commentators were. I think it was A.J. Pierzynski said, you know, he mentioned as it was happening that Cal Raleigh was allowed to tag from second to third on a flyout to uh, Luis Robert. And Robert was very lazy in tracking down the the fly ball, kind of lazily got the brought the ball back in or got the ball back into the infield. Cal Raleigh tags, goes second to third. Mariners are already up, I believe, at the time they were up three nothing. And but the commentator mentioned, you know, this is you're that's bad baseball. You needed to show some sense of urgency. Circle the ball, get underneath it, get your momentum heading towards third and make a good, strong throw to third base. You allowed a catcher to tag from second to third. Now, Cal Raleigh's not the slowest catcher, but still. And sure enough, Cal Raleigh scores on a wild pitch. Cal Raleigh would not have scored on that wild pitch had the White Sox operated with, like, played baseball the quote unquote right way. Still played hard, down three nothing. Team sucks, but you still got to put in effort. It's part of why I don't love. Luis Robert, personally, despite his phenomenal statistics, um, I think he's an incredibly talented hitter and an amazing athlete, but there's some bonehead stuff going on there, and I don't know if that sets the right tone for the rest of the team. Whereas you compare him, I don't think he's quite the caliber of player as Julio, but you compare him to Julio, and Julio is very clearly max effort all the time and trying to do the right thing all the time. He's done some silly stuff as a young player, but he's apologetic about it. He tries to do the right thing next time. Um, I don't know that the White Sox culture or Luis Robert are um, take that same approach. So that was one example. Another example was a double play ball in the eighth where Brent Honeywell, the pitcher, didn't get his foot on the bag. Poor footwork. Um, and allow the Mariners uh, inning to continue. And it's not as if a Mariners pitcher has never done that. I just think there are so many loose ends that need to be tied up on this team. And whether it's because the team is playing really poorly, or it's the culture of the team, or it's the manager and the coaching, or it's the type of players that they've acquired, there's something about the White Sox that's just off. It's the footwork at the bag by the pitcher. It's the lazy you know, catcher the fly ball that allows the catcher to tag up and go to third in the first inning. It's bad. And it's clear. And what's interesting about it is I don't always think of the Mariners as the most fund- fundamentally sound team. You know, I we I talked a bit about Josh Rojas and Jose Caballero's uh, defensive mistakes last game. Um, we've seen a couple of them from Tail Hernandez. Dominic Canzone had the ball go over his head. You know, Mariners have some very good defensive players, but they're not necessarily defensively sound all of the time. Jose Caballero makes a ton of mistakes in the base paths with overaggression. But it's not because of a lack of trying. It's a lot of times it's overaggression, which I, I welcome. I think with the White Sox, it's laziness, right? Did they not do their their pitcher fielding drills enough? Did Honeywell not pay attention in those drills? Is was it just a random mistake? Luis Roberts was unexcusable. And I've seen him done that, do that kind of crap all the time. So White Sox are 49 and 76. They are 16 games out of first place. Luis Robert, in a lot of ways, is their only 
truly good player. Now he's elite, right? He's probably a top 20-ish hitter in baseball. He's elite. And he's a good center fielder. But what else do you have besides that? We talked about this yesterday. You've got Eloy Jimenez, who is a very talented hitter who cannot stay healthy. Yohan Moncada is a faded talent who does, who will not do what you thought he was going to do coming up. Andrew Vaughn has been a disappointment. Yasmani Grandal is old, right? You go down that list. Tim Anderson has been a huge disappointment this season. They don't have anything. They've got some guys in the minor leagues. We talked about that too. Colson Montgomery, Edgar Caro. They drafted Jacob Gonzalez. Noah Schultz has a pitcher, some other pitchers, right? Okay. Not as good as the Mariners system. And you have a greedy owner in Jerry Reinsdorf who has really done things on the cheap, was even a bad owner of the Chicago Bulls. And he's depressing, right? He doesn't engage the the community. He's not, um, he's a pariah in many ways, despite having drafted Michael Jordan. And this team, in my mind, if it does have an identity, which it doesn't really, it's that of a bunch of underachievers, right? They have a bunch of underachievers. They signed a bunch of players from Cuba. That's not, that's not why they're underachieving, but that's their identity is they have a bunch of, of players from Cuba and they have, you know, a bunch of players who haven't reached their potential, whether it's coaching or culture, or environment, or whatever it is, or bad talent evaluation, they're just, it sucks. If you want to give them an identity, they don't take walks. They've got some power, and they don't take walks, and they're, the, the, they've, I think, tried to acquire players with good hit tools. You know, Benatendi, Robert, Jimenez, Vaughn, even Colas is not a huge power hitter as much. He does have power, but he's a good hitter. But none of them produce. Pitching-wise, they've got good arms. Kopech is a great arm. Cease is a great arm. Those are elite, elite talents. And yet the results suck. I just, I don't know. I lived in Chicago for a couple of years. My grandparents, my grandmother on my Mexican side is from Chicago, born and raised, was, was from Chicago, born and raised. Um, my grandfather uh, immigrated to Gary, Indiana when he was four years old and grew up in Gary, Indiana, living in a stationary boxcar. Like my family is Midwest on that side of the family. I went to the University of Michigan. I lived in Chicago. I love Chicago. It's my favorite American city, hands down. Sorry, Seattle. Great food, great people. They all love sports. They all love meat. They all love to eat and drink and be with family and be with friends. That's my kind of place. Love Chicago. And the White Sox fans are dope. Cubs fans are fun, right? Going to a, rig a game at Wrigley is probably the most fun baseball experience you can have. You get to drink a ton of beer, eat Italian beef, hot dogs, party with a bunch of fun people. It is a blast at Wrigley, no doubt. White Sox fans are grinders, boy. You got tons of working class folks in the south side of Chicago and on the west side. Grinders, right? Tough people. You got to be tough to live in Chicago. You got to put up with the weather. Believe me, I've done it. it. Sucks. The wind, the snow, the plowing of snow drifts on the side of the street, 
having to fight for parking because everybody's trying to get a prime parking space because the snow is so bad. Putting your damn couch sofa out there in in the parking spot to claim it, right? It's like it's a different kind of town. And they love their sports, man. They love the Bulls. Michael Jordan is like God to them. We all know this. They love the Bears. The Bears haven't been good in a long time. And they love the Bears. And you've got this team in the White Sox who there are some hardcore White Sox fans. Let me tell you. And they got an owner that's a, I don't know, I'm not going to swear on the pod, on the podcast, but he sucks. Honestly, Jerry Reinsdorf sucks. They've got a, you know, their talent evaluators, Ken Williams in particular, are bad. They're bad. I don't know that they know what they're doing. I definitely feel like uh, the new school has really passed them by. They're not good. So you've got a team that is 49 and 76, 27 games under 500. Just remember, I guess I bring all of this up because as people following the Mariners, covering the Mariners, or Mariners fans, you know, there are a lot of people who are critical of Jerry DePoto not making moves. There are people of critical of the offense. There are people critical of the Paul Seawall trade. These guys know what they're doing. Do you not get that they know what they're doing? Like, the Mariners have the best pitching in baseball. I remember growing up when, like, you looked forward to Dave Fleming starting. You looked up to Eric Hansen. You loved Brian Holman. These guys were not that good, for those who remember. You had Mike Schooler and Mike Jackson, and you were super excited because you had two what you thought were dominant relievers. Mariners traded away Jason Veritek and Derek Lowe for Heathcliff Slocum. Because the relief pitching was so bad. Mariners traded away my beloved Jose Cruz Jr. For Paul Spoljarek and Mike Timlin. Because there's so little pitching on the Mariners, right? I remember those days. I remember those days vividly. Mariners were the freaking laughing stock of baseball until Ken Griffey Jr. And even then the Mariners were bad. So then the Mariners win 116 games in 2001 but still get beat in the ALCS. As Mariners fans, you've never seen a World Series with the Mariners in it, right? To me, 2001 in some ways is an embarrassment because you didn't make the World Series after winning 116 games. The Mariners pissed away Felix Hernandez's years. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And the Mariners have had some really big stars, right? Julio, or excuse me, Griffey, Edgar, A-Rod, Ichiro, right? And now it's Julio. And Julio is in that stratosphere. Do not take for granted. I've been here in years where it wasn't that. It was Phil Bradley and Alvin Davis. And people loved Harold Reynolds, who was so overrated. You got excited for Greg Briley. You got disappointed by Mark Newfield, Right? Or in the two or in the teens, where it was Felix and nothing else, and Ichiro, but Ichiro was not the same. Do not take Julio Rodriguez for granted, and definitely do not take this pitching depth and the top three starters that the Mariners have for granted. Do not take that for granted. It's 
You're top 10 in whip. You got three three pitchers in top 10 in whip. And top, you know, it's oh God. If you could if if this was on video, like, don't take it for granted. Man, Mariners had some bad rotations over the years. And now we basically have the best pitching development system in baseball. Emerson Hancock goes down. Cool. We're bringing Brian Wu back off the injured list. You need six strong innings from Bryce Miller. Cool. He'll give you six strong innings, right? And it's consistent. And there's a philosophy. Compared to the White Sox, there is this very strong kind of defined backbone of Mariners pitching. It's built off the four-seamer, right? Whether it's extension from Gilbert or spin from Miller. It's slowly teaching a sinker so you can't sit on a straight fastball at the same velocity as the fastball. And then your secondaries have a lot to do with with the type of pitcher that you are and the tools you come to the table with. But they're willing to teach a splitter, right? You see some some Mariners pitchers have great sliders. Look at at Castillo's slider. It's Gilbert's splitter, right? But the Mariners' pitching development is dope. It's sick. In my mind, it's surpassed the Dodgers in some ways. It's surpassed the Guardians. It's definitely surpassed the Rays because the Rays can't keep anybody healthy. Be thankful. Be lucky. This team is great, and it's not great just this year. It's great for a long, long time. This is an amazing team. I just, thinking about the White Sox, watching them, you know, give up third base to Cal Raleigh, watching them not be able to complete the double play because of the pitcher's footwork, seeing how sad the fans were, right? Seeing the lack of effort from the players, seeing that Castillo can throw 47 straight fastballs at the end of the game, at the end of his uh, day. And they can't do anything about it. That's giving up. That's having a sucky team that's supposed to represent your city. It blows. It's not fun. And for those who were around for Mariners when they were bad, not just in Felix's years, but like in the 80s, don't take this team for granted. Please enjoy it. Be thankful. And give Jerry DePoto and Scott Service a damn extension. All right, tonight, so I'll rewind, hold on. So Mariners on the 17th of August, five days ago, called up Eduard Bazzardo, who they had acquired from the Orioles, and optioned Ryder Ryan. That's like the last guy in the bullpen, right? On the 19th, Mariners called up J.P. Crawford. This was to be able to play on Monday. Excuse me, they sent him to Everett on a rehab assignment on the 19th. On the 21st, yesterday, Mariners recalled J.P. Crawford, from the seven-day IL could because of the concussion. Recalled Darren McCoggin from Tacoma. He's just a he's a journeyman arm, pitched that last inning in, this, in last night's game, and sent down Sam Haggerty. Sam Haggerty played well when he played, um, but I think it was pretty clear that he was the one to go down. You're not sending down Mike Ford. Um, you're keeping two catchers. Demo's on fire. You're not sending him down, right? Uh you like what you have in Rojas. You like what you have in Canzone. They're not going anywhere. Kate Marlowe's been playing really well. So Haggerty made sense. And then the Mariners placed Emerson Hancock on the 15-day injured list. 
So the subsequent move is Brian Wu coming up. They have not announced it yet, but he will be coming up to start tonight. Just a reminder on Brian Wu's stats, he's 23 years old. He's 1-3 and three with the 4.75 ERA, but a an expected ERA of 3.37. 60 strikeouts in 55 innings, 12.5% strikeout rate, swinging strike rate, 27.8% whiff rate. Uh, the big thing with him, of course, is that lefties hit him a thousand times better than righties. Lefties are 372 with a 1.167 OPS. Versus righties, it's 137 with a 364 OPS. So night and day difference versus lefties and righties. The White Sox roster will max out at five left-handed batters. Um, the best Their best hitters are right-handed in Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and Andrew Vaughn. So it's a good lineup for Brian Wu to face as far as balance. His last start was August 3rd before he went on the injured list with the uh, strained right forearm. On August 3rd against the Angels in Anaheim, he went six innings, four hits, two runs, two walks, six strikeouts. A reminder that he threw 83 pitches, 30 fastballs, 21 sinkers. So you're starting to see that sinker percentage really increase with uh, Wu as well. Um, and then he was cutter, slider, and four changeups. So five-pitch mix from Brian Wu in his last start. I would expect to see that again. He faces Mike Clevenger, 32 years old. Has pitched for a number of teams, including the Guardians and the Padres. Um, Clevenger signed a one-year $12 million contract uh, in the offseason with the Chicago White Sox. Has a mutual option for 24. He was a fourth-round pick of the Los Angeles Angels in 2011. He's 6'4", 215. His two best years came in 18 and 19. 18 was the only year he's thrown over 126 innings. He went 200 innings with a 302 ERA and 207 strikeouts. His best rate stat year was in 19. He was 13 and 4 with a 271 and a 106 whip, but he struck out 169 hitters in 126 innings. So he had phenomenal stuff for a couple of years there. Then he missed 21 with uh, his second Tommy John. He had 22 starts with the Padres in 22. He missed time due to a knee and tricep, triceps injury. And then this season, he missed the final two weeks of May with a sore wrist and then June 15th through August 3rd with the biceps injury. So it's been pretty injury prone. When he was good, he was very good. Those years have since passed. He's 5-5 five and five this season with a 3-2-6 ERA and a 1-2-5 whip. His expected ERA is much higher, about a run higher. 85 and two-thirds innings, 75 hits, 71 strikeouts. About a 9% walk rate, 20% K rate, low swinging strike rate at 9%, 85% zone contact, which is above league average, meaning it's easier to make contact with pitches in the zone against him than league average. Compare that to 18 and 19 when he was 73% and 79%. So he used to be really difficult to make contact with. Now he's easier than league average. His whiff rate is below, about 3% below league average. So not a great pitcher coming into this game. His velocity is the same as last year. His spin is very similar to last year outside of the slider. He's a very similar pitcher to last year other than giving up a few more walks. Right-handers will see a fastball slider combination for the most part with a, a few cutters mixed in, but he's basically fastball slider against righties. Lefties will see fastball first, Change up, 
slider, and then maybe a couple of curveballs and cutters. So fastball slider against righties, fastball changeup slider against lefties. Um, I expect the Mariners to win this game as well. I really do think the White Sox have thrown the towel in. Uh, again, feel bad for those fans, but what can you do? When you're facing them, you got to beat them, right? Again, very interesting game last night. Cal Raleigh, Teo Hernandez uh, were the offensive stars. I guess Josh Rojas, too, to a certain extent. Teo's warming up, or he's hot as hell, whatever, however you want to put it. Cal Raleigh, we have an elite uh, catcher. Don't take that for granted. And Luis Castillo was nuts with the 47 straight fastballs to end uh, yesterday's game. So this was today's Mariners cast. It is, again, Tuesday, a rainy Tuesday here in Walla Walla. Thank goodness the smoke's going away a little bit. Temperatures come come down quite a bit. Uh, excited for tonight's game. Thank you for listening to today's Mariners cast. We are presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, enjoy Brian Wu's comeback. Uh, take care, y'all. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace.